0: You're listening to the Build Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Don't miss Midco SN's coverage of high school football in North and South Dakota this fall, with the region's best games airing live every Friday, followed by an hour-long recap of all the night's action on varsity sports live at 1030 p.m. Even if college sports are quiet, there is no slowing down Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves podcast. We are taping this on a Tuesday morning, September the 15th in the year of our Lord 2020 alongside you and the Athletics Director Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Seiner. Bill, hey, halfway through September already, which is kind of crazy. How does this Tuesday morning find you?
1: Yeah, Alex. Uh, good to always hear your voice, um, and good to see you. Uh, so, uh, all is all is good. Obviously, we've got a little uh, fall weather upon us at this point in time. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's getting a little darker earlier, and uh, I know where we're headed.
0: <laughs> it is amazing how quickly you lose daylight this time of year. It is startling how fast you go from like, oh yeah, it's dark at nine. And all of a sudden, it's dark at 8 really fast. And now we're in like that 7.30, dusk, 7.15. And it's a tough time of year. It, it it really is. On the plus side, leaves are turning. Fall is beautiful. There are some positive things to take. Football came back this past weekend, NFL football. There are some, at least even if not all the usual benchmarks of fall arriving, are not here, of course, because it's a weird year. There are some nice things that kind of make you smile a little bit, even as the days get shorter and colder.
1: Yeah, I think your I think your assessment of a weird year is fair. I, I it just <laughs> it it's weird, continues to get weirder, and um, you know, it's just just odd right now. We're just not playing sports. Um, you know, obviously, it was abruptly ended on march 11th if you will um, that seems like a date that will be ingrained in all of us uh to some degree and and then you know we're you know i'm still you know, watching our uh our student athletes uh work out and you know they're trying to you know look ahead um they're they're always glass half full and trying to figure out you know what's next and i think that's what we're trying to do uh in intercollegiate athletics uh it's just a weird space we're in In college athletics, you know, we were kind of talking a little bit pre-pod about, you know, high schools are in one space and it seems like professional sports are in another space and college athletics is kind of just sort of uh, in a tough spot.
0: It is hard to lump sports in general together in one bucket because, like you said, there really are multiple completely different worlds that those divisions of sport are living in where you mentioned professional sports you can focus on your single sport it's a small group of people they're all being paid they're professionals of course you've got more resources to test you've got more resources to keep everyone insulated in a bubble whether you're the NBA or the NHL or or MLS or whatever and then kind of on the other end of the spectrum high school you're not traveling as much you're traveling within a small region you've got fewer numbers you don't really test as much, not saying that high school is ignoring that side of things, but you have, there's just less opportunity and less information out there and less availability of testing. And then you've got college where you're worried about all sorts of different sports, widespread travel across the United States, everything from, you know, large teams like college football programs to smaller sports where they've only got maybe 20 people on on a squad and figuring out all of this in the midst of still a lot of, you know, nobody really knows what tomorrow is going to bring. Really. It's just, it's a difficult thing to navigate. I'm assuming, especially for an athletic director here at this level right now.
1: Yeah. I, it's, it's a fair assessment the way you've described it. And, you know, I think there's aspects that are getting better on a daily basis. One might be the opportunity for us to get greater, uh, testing capabilities, maybe out there, um, you know, from a rapid testing standpoint, but the one thing that I'll say a rapid test does for you, it provides you rapid results. And that's a good thing, uh, especially from a turnaround standpoint, but then you have to act and react about what you do with those results. And, you know, I think intercollegiate athletics is just, uh, in a, just an odd, uh, place where when we finally do go, we're gonna have multiple teams sort of crisscrossing state borders, trying to figure out how they get from point A to point B and back to point A again. There's travel restrictions uh, in different states at this point. Um, There's just a navigation that's just a lot different. You know, my son right now is playing high school soccer for Red River. They stay within the borders of North Dakota. And then their travel, ultimately, it's been asked upon parents to bring your students to games. And so that's one way of doing it. Well, that can't happen in intercollegiate athletics. And then we're watching the NBA celtics having a nice run by the way Mm -hmm, that's maybe a mm b-side topic um Mm -hmm. good tease bill yeah Yeah. stay tuned when we turn over um (laughs) but they're doing it in a way that's really really confined confined and have eliminated a lot of variables intercollegiate athletics that's all it has is variables And so I think that's the challenge, Alex, that we're in right now as we're trying to navigate these waters.
0: It is a challenge. That is a good word to put out there, that we're still, as you said, from March 11th to now, still fighting through all this, still waiting for college sports, at least at UND, to return. I do want to ask specifically, what is the state of things right now with UND Athletics, with the different teams? Because football now has – we talked on our last pod two weeks ago that football was still trying to figure out what they were going to do, what spring ball in the fall was going to look like. They now have a bit of a plan in place and have started to practice. What's going on with football and the rest of our sports as we kind of get I know, further along here in the fall?
1: Yeah, the majority of our teams that were uh, fall sports that are now headed toward the spring for competition have in a sense – flip-flopped their their calendars in a sense that now uh whatever you can do that's uh i'll say out of season um hours with your with your coaches and practice that's what we're into at this point in time and so you almost have to go sports by sport by sport because each one of them has their own calendar and time frame as to when they do things but uh we have gotten a little bit of clarity in that regard but it's still uh it's still about as odd as it can get right i mean we're just we we literally have flipped the spring and the fall but we're still looking ahead to having spring sports in the spring and winter sports in the winter. So, you know, I, I, again, I, as we're discussing dates right now, tomorrow, today is Tuesday as we're potting this, this will probably drop on Tuesday afternoon at latest Wednesday morning. If it's Wednesday, that's the day the division one council will meet and they're going to talk about, Dates specifically about basketballs, about potentially moving them back a couple of weeks to to coincide uh, mainly with Thanksgiving at this point in time. That's really the concept because a lot of schools in the country may decide to uh, send their student body in a sense, home during Thanksgiving. So a lot of times you go home for Thanksgiving, that time pr- frame, come back for a couple of weeks and finish finals. Uh, UND is not in that boat right now, because the NDUS system would have to make that decision. So we're not doing that at this point in time. I guess anything's possible, but we don't we don't have plans to do that. But that was the thought of kind of buying another two weeks, because in essence, campuses will be, uh, will will reduce its variables if the whole student body say is gone for like a, let's call it what, seven or eight weeks.
0: Interesting. So that, that D1 Council meeting, again, tomorrow on Wednesday, or again, wherever you're listening to this, Wednesday, September 16th is when that is going to happen. Outside of maybe trying to figure out some of the the scheduling logistics with the season shifting, are there any other decisions that you'd like to see come from that meeting, Bill, that's going to take place on Wednesday?
1: Well, that'll be the big one is going to be my guess. Um, you know, there, there there's still other, you know, conversations going on uh, surrounding uh, kind of recruiting calendars, you know, we've been in a dead period for a long period of time because of the travel component. The travel component for states are different and communities are different and to kind of level the playing field as it pertains to recruiting, that's the reason why it's been, uh, uh, the dead period has been extended since the pandemic started. And so I would see that potentially us moving that dead period by another month they've been kind of going month to month that's really what's been happening and right now we're through the end of October it could go to the end of the calendar year uh, that would be my guess but I'm just guessing right now um you know the other thing is we're still working on a couple other things you know transfer uh working group is still out there and name image likeness that's still out there um those are conversations that we're going to still have uh have to have um uh, moving forward uh so that'll be interesting to see if there's any uh Movement or conversation in that regard. And then the National Student Athlete Advisory Commission uh, uh, Committee, the, the National SAC, uh, they're going to propose that um, there be a required day off during uh, election uh, election days uh, mm. on an annual basis. And so that's going to be discussed. My guess is that will be approved. That's just my, my, my guess. Uh, and so I think that will uh, uh, probably play itself out as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's a great thing. That's something. By the way, you've seen a little buzz about how different teams, you know, coaches, etc., around the country have really made a push to get their student athletes that are bit, that are able to be registered to get registered to vote. That that's an awesome thing. That that's maybe going to be now a mandate across the NCAA at the D one level at least that that date can be open.
1: For sure, you know that has been a a conversation that certainly has cropped up over the last. Uh, um, oh, let's just say three to six months, certainly in that case uh, scenario, I, I think for us at UND, we've got a group, a student athlete inclusion and diversity group, our said group um, that works hand in hand with our SAC, our SAC here. And I know that's something that that is important to them as well. And we're kind of waiting to see what happens with that. We had a, we kind of knew that there was kind of a national movement in, in, in regards to this. And then from there, I think the next step is, uh, a lot of our teams and, and at least hearing and talking with them is that they're interested in having everyone signed up to vote as well and so th- so there's almost like steps that you can take right now so if that one thing happens then i think you know we can bring it on home to figure out what makes sense for us in our department
0: Yeah, November 3rd, big day coming up this year. So be sure, again, if you're listening to this podcast and aren't sure if you're registered to vote, most states, it's either a two-week or a month period where you have to be registered before the election. So be sure to check that out. Voting's important. Go express your right to vote. Make your voice heard. Yeah, anyway, moving on. Good things, good things for our student-athletes. We talked a bit about college basketball potentially having their season shifted back around Thanksgiving, we do know that college hockey is going to do that. The NCHC and the rest of college hockey, both men's and women's, all divisions announced last week that the season's going to be delayed until late November at the earliest. The NCHC is targeted November 20th as a potential start date. Obviously, this is something that we had seen coming and sort of knew was in in talks. It's, of course, disappointing when you think, gosh, they were going to start the season in three weeks. October 3rd was right around the corner. It's sort of tough to lose that now. But this is a positive thing, though, in the fact that they've not delayed till January, that there still is a lot of optimism. Uh, Josh Fenton, the NCHC commissioner, has said we were really confident that we'll be able to play, you know, a first half and a second half of the season, even if it doesn't look like it normally would. Just talk about the decision to move things back, Bill, and how you see things playing out for the NCHC in college hockey this year.
1: Yeah, so college hockey, I'll call it, its it's like a fall and a half sport. So it starts like midway through the fall season. And so obviously before winter sports, even though it's a winter championship, right? Um, So something had to be figured out sooner than later. And I think the identification of around Labor Day made sense. So there had been a lot of conversations uh, among uh, our conference and our ad's and then ultimately our presidents about what this would look like um as you indicated alex uh correctly is i think the thought was if there had to be a delay i think you delay it um in what we thought was going to be the delay for basketballs so that's that's kind of what we were thinking and we had gotten some uh from some feedback or at least thoughts about what the two oversight committees were going to do for basketball. And we had heard around that Thanksgiving date. That, so that's the reason why the November 20th date came out. And, and so now we've got to kind of figure out, okay, what does that mean? You know, the very first question you might ask is what does that mean for non-conference scheduling? Well, yeah. you know, there's, there's certain dates that might need to be rescheduled into the future that's number one, um, but there's still a possibility uh, if we could get everything going um, that maybe you could play a non-conference game, say midweek a- as well. And so, so there, there's still some possibilities. I, I, I think uh, the ADs and, uh, and the presidents and Josh wanted to make sure we're still as flexible as possible uh, uh, you know, moving forward, knowing that uh, October 3rd was probably unrealistic at this point.
0: One of the really neat things about that announcement was that all six men's D1 hockey conferences came out with the same announcement on the same day. Everybody on the women's side down to D3. There was a unification really on the college hockey side where everybody decided we're doing the same thing. And that was different than we saw with college football and with kind of the major conferences each sort of go in their own direction and kind of having everybody sort of did their own thing on that side. And that wasn't the case with college hockey. I think that was a great show of unity from from all parties to realize we're kind of in this together and we should be unified in this, especially because it's a smaller body on the one hand. But again, it, it just shows how, how tight knit that college hockey community and that fraternity really is.
1: Yeah, I, I'm probably incredibly biased, but I think we have the best commissioner in college hockey. And uh, I think – uh, Commissioner Fenton uh, has taken the approach that he wants to lead the NCHC a, as he has um, so aptly, especially given the fact that if, if you're going to just say what the bottom line has been over the last four national title uh, titles uh, uh, in, in, in Frozen Fours, uh, you know, obviously four in a row is pretty good. And so, uh, you know, he... Looks at it broader, though, too. What's good for the game, and so I, I'm going to suggest to you on this pod that I think he had a uh, a very large role in 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 trying to make that happen. And I think I think he was successful in that. And I thought it was important. I thought you're exactly right, Alex. I thought that the announcement itself was good because it needed to happen, say, 30 days out, so that people knew not to expect something October 3rd. But I think the unified approach among all of the conferences I I think was powerful. And so, uh, you know, we know this is gonna be, a, it, it, as we said, right? It's been a weird year. So it's gonna continue to be a weird year. So, it, 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 but through this, you have opportunities. And one of them is to bond together at times. And, and in this case scenario, we, we did. We, we uh, you know, we all the conferences kind of came together and said, hey, look, we're gonna try to figure this thing out for the good of hockey
0: the NCHC is still trying to figure out what to do with with the schedule. That becomes now the next question. How do you sort of make this all work? Do you just slide games into December? Because most of the time, there's a three to four week sort of Christmas break. You finish the first half, maybe the first weekend of December. You're off until after Christmas, sometime between Christmas and New Year's. Now though, with, with losing... A month and a half of the season, there's been talk that maybe the NCHC would play through December. There also has been talk that maybe they'll play all those games in one spot, have a hub city. This is, of course, speculation right now, but that's a suggestion that has started to pick up steam. Brad Schloss did a great article about this yesterday that maybe all eight schools would just get together and sort of play, much like we've seen the NHL and the NBA do, just play in the same spot and play on the weekends or, or whatever it looks like. Uh, what have you heard in regards to that, and what can you tell us about that as a potential for college hockey for the first half of the season for people in this part of the world?
1: Yeah, so nothing nothing is definitive right now, for sure. But I think everything, as as Josh aptly uh, said in, uh, in Brad's uh, article, I think everything's on the table right now, and it needs to be. So I think even Major League Baseball is thinking about playing playoffs in certain mm-hmm. sites right now and I think that was news to some other teams at that point. And so it just goes to show you the weirdness of 2020 that that you know I I think it was the Twins actually, right? The Twins kind of were uh, surprised by the fact that that might be happening. We know the Red Sox were not surprised cuz they were taking <laughs> up cuz the one thing that's socially distant that you can do is golf. And at the end of the day, they, they some would argue they've been golfing for the last, let's just say, 40 games or 50. <laughs> but, um, you know, we have not definitively made any decisions at this point in time. And, and I think the thought is, Alex, at some point, though, at some stage of the game, whether – let's just say there is a, a, a site – that you can go to to get some games in. That would not be the entire year. Uh, that would be potentially mm-hmm. to get the year going. But I don't even know if that's something that will come to fruition or not. I, I do. I I think there'll be further conversation. But again, nothing definitive at this point.
0: Okay. Watch this space as the days go along. A lot of time between now and, and November the twentieth. We still got two months for everybody to figure things out. But I think exciting to think that even if college for UND, for the other schools that we enjoy watching, aren't going to start next month. A lot of positive signs that it will happen at some point here in 2020, hopefully right around that Thanksgiving time. Uh, speaking of college hockey, we had a cool college hockey announcement that came out yesterday. Former UND head coach and two-time national champion Dean Blaze elected into the 2020 U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Pretty cool. 19 years at UND, nine of which is an assistant, 10 as the head coach. I made a big difference to that program on a number of different levels. Again, two national titles in 97 and 2000. Helped get the Ralph built. That's kind of a nice legacy to leave. Pretty cool to see Dean. And he's he's obviously been in, recognized in a number of different ways over the years. But this is a big honor, the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, to be a part of this group. Pretty cool for Dean and for UND.
1: Yeah, Hall of Fames are are just a terrific way to you know, encapsulate your career, right? And to be able to look back and um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a neat moment. And uh, was a part of uh, two other national championships as an assistant coach. And so Mm -hmm. just, uh, it's just an amazing, um, an accomplishment. And so from what I'm gathering is, Because again, I guess maybe the theme of this pod is a weird year is they're going to actually be inducted in 2021 in December with the 21 class as well. So, uh, so announced the 20 class this year but won't be uh uh physically inducted until december of 21 so uh exciting for us no doubt at und and and coach blaze deserves it i mean he uh a heck of a heck of a career and uh we're excited for
0: him yeah amen There really aren't a whole lot of other newsy type things to chat about since our last conversation two weeks ago. Anything else on your radar, Bill, that you want to touch on from a UND or NCAA perspective?
1: No, I thought that, you know... For sure, this week was good week to at least address uh, the uh, the delay, if you will, from a hockey perspective. Since that came out last week, um, we'll get a little bit more clarity uh, when the uh, council meets tomorrow. But other than that, Alex, no, I mean, I you know we're still uh, you know grinding and working through some uh, some things as far as uh, um calendars and, and and what our student athletes can and can't do and uh you know other than that we're just uh, uh we're just kind of waiting and seeing uh as far as what kind of information comes from indianapolis
0: before we flip to the b side i do want to ask how is your staff doing it's just such a weird year it's been anything but normal on every level what's what's the morale been like in the athletics department how are the coaches how's the staff how are people doing so far
1: you know i i'm I'm really lucky to be able to work with the folks that I do work with. Uh, I think they're handling it incredibly well. I mean, I, I think they're optimistic by nature. And so at the end of the day, you know, you're just working through uh, the scenarios uh, with a lot of unknowns. And, but we're lucky to still uh, be at a great place, a uh, great place of higher ed uh, representing a great state. And, you know, I think that's the concept, right? I mean, it, this, is, yeah. this is like real life. Right, You're going through it. It's like, you know, you, you don't know what's going to come. And the one thing you have to do is figure out how to navigate it. And so I think our, our coaches and our staff have done, a, have done a great job. And, you know, our university leadership, Alex, has been awesome um you know we went through a little bit of a uh spike when uh, campus uh uh when students came back to campus a couple of weeks ago those numbers have kind of tamped down at this point and i think there's maybe a leveling off that is occurring and so uh our our knock on wood our enrollment numbers are are, are very good and so it's just excited about where und is going i think as an institution and as what we find out through this uh, odd, weird year that we're in is that, you know, if, if you're willing to adapt and change a little bit, uh, maybe, maybe on the other side of this, you could actually be stronger. The one thing that we've tried to do um, in, in the best case scenario is try to be as communicative as possible. You know, we had always done an all staff meeting uh, once a month. That kind of was our way, like our pre-pandemic way, if you will. But we do it once a week now. And we've been doing that since March. And because weeks feel like months at this point in time, there's so many things that can happen between, and we do it on Thursday. So Thursday to Thursday, so many things could happen. And, you know, technology has gotten to us to a place right now. It's, it's, it's easier than ever. To, to have an all staff, if you will. And so we do that on a weekly basis. And I think that's helped a little bit. And I, I just, I give them what I know at that point in time from an NCAA standpoint, from a conference standpoint, from an institutional standpoint. And so, you know, I think, absence sometimes of information, maybe your mind can wander a little bit. But I think, uh, you know, I think connecting on a weekly basis has been really important for us. And so, uh, you know, we'll continue to do it.
0: Yeah, I know. At Midco SM, we've done the same thing, where it's been like Tuesday afternoon since this got started. Our entire group across i-29 from our our crew in grand forks all the way down to our crew in kansas we have a we have a branch in kansas just constant communication every week and it is nice to hear what's going on you stay connected even if you can't all be in the same building I'm, i'm thinking we're probably not the only ones that have decided to go that route our two organizations so good to see that again technology makes a difference keeping people connected in these weird Weird times. Yes. So, cool. Well, if there's nothing else on your plate from an A-side perspective, let's uh, flip the record over to the B-side. And there are, some, there are some fun things to talk about on a national level. This was such a unique week in sports where we had all the four major sports going on at the same time, which does not happen very often, plus college football, plus the Kentucky Derby, plus the U.S. Open, plus all this. There was just a ton of stuff going on on a national level, a lot to take in. What drew your attention most, maybe in the last week or so or two weeks, Bill? I know you've obviously been very busy. We've, we've joked about how you've not really had a chance to watch much in terms of you know national sporting events. But what did pull your eyes to the television set?
1: Yeah, I watched a lot of that uh, Raptor Celtic series. I thought that was a pretty intense hmm. series. You know, I'm not sure it was all really pretty basketball, <laughs> but it was it was tough basketball. I mean, that was not for the faint of heart. I mean, you got onto that court and it, both teams were coming at each other.
0: Yeah. Well, I would say when you've got Marcus Smart on one side and Kyle Lowry on the other, that's going to be a recipe for a series like that. And that's what we had. The funny thing about that, and we're both Celtics fans, so we can, we can talk openly about this. The funny thing about that series was that Boston won those initial two games had a cancer like it didn't even play great but really won pretty easily and then game three toronto has that last second ridiculous miracle three-pointer off the inbounds pass with 0.5 to go and the series from then on then the series started and it became this great battle between double overtime game i think in game five or game six i can't even remember now which games it was but i mean just some great basketball back and forth and a great even, even if it wasn't always pretty Great spectacle to watch. That was playoff basketball right there in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking back, Alex. You know what's interesting? The the yeah, the game three, the pass was unbelievable. If you look back at Christian Leitner's shot, um that that you know Duke beat Kentucky. And then, if you look back, um, because I grew up in Connecticut, Tate George had an amazing shot uh, back in like '89 or so, and it was like the full length of the court. Scott Burrell made the pass. Mm. At the end of the day, the pass is it. You got to make the shot, right? I mean, the shot you got to make. But that pass was unbelievable. The touch and and just getting over the defender to give yourself a shot. And boy, that that literally turned the turned the table on, on that. On that series, I that could have been four in a row, and all of a sudden, yeah. now you're in a game seven with what three minutes to go, with really the series and the balance.
0: Yeah, and that well, I think it would have been a sweep. I mean, because the C's are up in that game in game three, you're that that puts you up three nothing. You know, Toronto's done at that point, and somehow seven seven Taco Fall cannot get a fingertip on that inbounds pass, <laughs> and so and then we ended up having the spectacle that we got. But hopefully. If you're a Boston fan, as I said, like we are, hopefully that's a good series to sort of get you ready for Miami. Now you're, even though these guys have been through it before, and a lot of a lot of this team made it to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago. Now you really are battle tested in this environment, and Miami's going to be a tough matchup for them. This is going to be a really fun series. You know who who knows? It's just it's wild to think though that they're four wins away from making it to the NBA finals it's a pretty it's it's
1: pretty exciting yeah, it's a pretty exciting the, the, the thing. thing now you can
0: start dreaming though
1: well i haven't really <laughs> had my head around laker celtics and it's really it's, right it's a really good shot i mean at this point I, although the 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 celtics heat will be another grind fest you know if you've got again jimmy butler on one side and marcus smart on the other that's going to be fascinating to watch uh, it would be helpful Boy, to get that uh, another scorer back. Right. I I don't know. I mean, maybe they're being cagey with Gordon Hayward at this point, but uh, it it would be really helpful because Toronto made a specific effort to take Kemba out. And if Miami decides to do that, you could actually play through Hayward as much as Brown has really um, upped his offensive game since he's come into the league, he still sometimes can have nights where, you know, he can have those three for 12 nights. And when you've got those three for 12 nights and it's not six or seven for 12, it makes it challenging for them to score.
0: It's going to be a fun series. Game great. one is coming up yep. tonight against night Tuesday. So we'll see how it goes, but that would be awesome. The prospect of Lakers Celtics. So that would be the third time those two have met since 2008. Cause I think it was 08, it when was. the when Boston got the one, uh, I got the victory. 2010, the should Lakers have came still back. Had
1: 10 too. Sh- 10. Yeah. 10 kind of. Yeah, that was mm, not great.
0: Perkins. That was when Kendrick Kendra Perkins got hurt, and that kind of derailed that series a little bit. And Boston still should have won Game Seven. They were up big in that game, and Kobe went crazy. Yep. Unfortunate. Well, anyway, we're not going to talk about that. That's right. <laughs> new, new, new season. We'll see how it goes. Uh, that's been fun to watch. Of course, it was fun to have the NFL back this past weekend. Fun to have EPL back. This past weekend, you went one and one on the weekend, Bill. The Steelers got a nice win last night on Monday Night Football. Spurs, not so much. Assess. Maybe we'll start with the good.
1: What did you see from Pittsburgh in the win over the Giants last night that you liked? Had no idea uh, how Ben was going to react. And so he looked fine. I I mean, you know, they're just uh, I thought the stat that really caught my attention. They went from first to last in red zone efficiency without Ben. How about that? First Hmm. to last. That's the reason why they didn't make the playoffs right there. Right. So, uh, yeah, they're fine. I um, they got a little ways to go. I I don't know. Uh, Baltimore certainly is the class of that division at this point, but they can be had. They can be had. Uh, I I don't know. I think they're a playoff team. That'd be my opinion right now. Uh, You know. I, I, if I was to say what do I think, that's what I think. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have a better year just because Ben's back.
0: Has to, right? He looked good last night. He did. A Couple touchdown catches for Juju. Maybe, maybe single-handedly won me a fantasy game last night. Juju, that second touchdown pass got me over the top. So.
1: Oh, good for Juju. Yeah, and, and you know the uh, it, it'll be it'll be good that they they're. And they play they play the uh, NFC uh, East, and so that that's a little bit, uh, I would say, I don't say easier road, but but it seems like if you're going to pick one, I think that's the one you'd pick. You'd pick that one. I think yeah, so. Yeah, I would say so. I, think they're- I would
0: say NFC or AFC East. Those would be the ones you'd want, and I, I think I'd want the NFC East yep. this year. Yep. Uh, you get Denver this next week who lost last night in a kind of an ugly game to Tennessee, and then Houston, Tennessee. It's a – you know, there, there's a – there. It's not, a, it's not a gauntlet to go through for you for the first six weeks of the season. You've got some opportunity there to maybe go go 5-1 and one before you play Baltimore right before the bye at the end of October. So could be, could be good things ahead for Mike Tomlin and the boys and over there in the Steel City.
1: Bill 1, Tom 0, right? Is that where we are right now?
0: <laughs> yeah, Tommy, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, The pass looks pretty good. Um, I know it was only 21-11 with their win over the Dolphins, but... Nikhil Harry had a fumble on the goal line that went out of the end zone, so they lost seven points and lost the football there, and a couple other goofy things happened. The game wasn't as close as it felt like at the end, but Cam Newton looked great. Defensively, they looked really good against the Dolphins team that is better this year, I think, and showed promise certainly last year. I don't know. I mean, I, I think, like you said, the Steelers are a playoff team. I think the Patriots are a playoff team. Perhaps we will meet again. Maybe sometime in January in a game that really matters. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I uh, I think the Patriots will be just fine in an underdog role would be my guess this year. You know, suits them a bit, oh, doesn't it? It, it? I mean, it just hasn't happened in a long while. And so uh, and Cam must have looked okay, huh? They used his uh, skills to his his benefit so a little RPO.
0: A ton of it. He rushed for 75 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, they he ran a lot more than I thought that he would. And they didn't throw a ton. They were very efficient and smart when they got into the passing game. And I don't know, I, I was really impressed. I, everything I had read and heard and seen from preseason, obviously no games, but from preseason practices, it seemed like he was going to be just fine. Being a leader of this team, they named him a captain right away. He just has so much confidence and energy, and the guys just seem to feed off that. And he rubs people the wrong way sometimes, and he's pretty brash and he's outspoken and he's not afraid to say what he thinks. And he wears goofy outfits to the postgame press conference, but I don't care. I, that's I. He it, it was it was fun to watch him play football on Sunday, and I'm certainly glad that he's our quarterback. I miss Tom. It was tough watching Tom in a in a Bucks uniform. Felt weird. Uh, obviously they, they didn't look great against the saints, but tough, tough team to play to start it, things off.
1: It's like the, it's, it's the, it's the Joe Namath and a Rams. It's Johnny Unitas and a chargers. It's, it's, yeah. uh, you know, um, Oh, uh, it, it, all of, all of these quarterbacks have done that Joe Montana and a chiefs. It, it's just weird, just weird. So yeah, I think, and it take away yeah. his opening drive, which was pretty impressive. Boy, they were not good after that.
0: It struck me as a team that maybe I think the expectations are too high. You talk about the Patriots being underdogs. The Bucks have been awful lately. I mean, they were a bad team last year. And they were, you know, they struggled with, with penalties. It's not a very disciplined team. They kind of would shoot themselves in the foot. And just by adding Tom Brady, that doesn't necessarily fix all that. And it's going to take them a little bit to figure this out. So hopefully it's not a nightmare season for them. But there's a potential that maybe it could be. They might struggle a bit this year. They, we'll see. they
1: could. Um, you know, they're, What they probably encountered Sunday was everything that, in a sense, can they fix and they may not be able to fix it. I mean, that's the possibility. And so, wh- which was weird though, and I, I didn't read many articles, but Arians just kind of rolled right out there. Maybe he's got a good relationship with Brady already just to say, hey, yeah, he wasn't very good. Well, I mean, I <laughs> thought it was interesting. Okay, okay.
0: He's just, Bruce is a straight shooter. Anybody that wears a Kangol hat for that long just isn't afraid about doing things that he likes to do or speaking his mind. I will say the Bucks do get the Panthers, followed by the Broncos, followed by the Chargers, followed by the Bears. They've got four games in a row where you would think, hey, you have a chance to get right. It's one thing to lose to the Saints. And, you know, it was a close close game, even though they didn't play great. If they drop a couple more of these games here early, then I'd be a little bit concerned.
1: The NFL is is literally, in a lot of ways, like the EPL, right? Like, like the better teams are going to, for sure... Uh, separate themselves, but on a week-to-week basis, you could get tripped up. Yeah. I mean, uh, yep. you know, you just... You know, uh, an NFL team is going to win two, three games. I mean, they just are. Uh, I, it, it, and it depends It's if it's on you based on whatever. Who knows? Maybe you have, you know, a couple interceptions or whatever. But the, the, uh, here's... I'll leave you with the NFL on this before we get into the painful EPL talk. Is... <laughs> I can't believe... And I maybe I'm more, I guess, um, you know, I, I need to call my father-in-law because he he's amazingly a Lions fan. And we have two Lions fans in our department here, Tyler O'Hara and Mitch Wigness. Mm-hmm. And that thing on Sunday, I, it's hard to describe. I, I think I heard a stat going into the fourth quarter up 17. The last like 487 teams were three and 484. Make that four in 484.
0: <laughs> they find a way to do this every year. There, there's just no team that's more snake bit than the Detroit Lions. And even against Mitch Trubisky, I think that's when you know that maybe there's something wrong when that guy can bring a team back from that deficit in that amount of time. And then for them to have the game-winning touchdown there. And poor DeAndre Swift, who... Had it in his again rookie first game in the league, ton of talent out of Georgia gets open. Stafford hits him. He's got the football in his hands in the end zone to win the game, and just kind of dropped it. And that's that sums it up right there. So tough one, tough one for the Lions fans out there. Hopefully it'll get better. <laughs> God bless them. They need it.
1: The Lions <laughs> are just um, amazing in so many ways. And it's a great word. Yeah, they are. And for them, for that to happen, it's just mind-blowing, really. Uh, there was an amazing – going to EPL, in The Athletic, there was an amazing article on Nottingham Forest. And Nottingham mm. Forest, if you didn't read it, you might, you might want to Google it. It's tremendous. And it was based on their inability to break the top six in the championship league they weren't going to be in the top two but then three and six play and four and five play and the winners play for Mm -hmm. the last slot to go to the up to the premier league
0: promotion playoffs. yes
1: and to read that article he says about the only team that i can probably connect with is the lions to some degree of the misery that they've had since because nottingham forest was a pretty amazing Team, right? But champions of Europe
0: in the 70s, their, yeah. mis-
1: their misery level has been off the charts for the last, let's just say, X amount of years. And that one, <laughs> you read that one, I'm just spoiler alert, they finished seventh <laughs> and, and probably shouldn't have, and, and yeah. missed out on the little mini playoff. And so, if you're gonna, if you're gonna finish somewhere in the championship league, it's not seventh, yeah. finish eighth. <laughs> finishing
0: right doesn't hurt as bad
1: yes yes so oh. yeah my spurs uh eh, um, just a whole hum performance i i don't know yeah. i um everton, they
0: lost 1-0 to everton by the way yeah. if you missed it this past weekend
1: everton looked pretty good they got some new guys on their team uh James rodriguez is there and however that goes but we just um we looked a bit disinterested how's that
0: It's not what you want for the first week of the season. Um, That's not the word you're looking for. (laughs) It's not the word you're looking for. My favorite quote from the weekend was Jose Mourinho uh, after the match said, and I quote, I don't like my team, end quote.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think the team likes him right now too. Mm. I mean, there's there's that, but... I I have not watched more of the all or none. I've, we're only three episodes in. I know that there's uh, eventually nine, uh, there's six, there's three sitting there waiting and we haven't been able to get to them yet, but, uh, he's just, he's a, he's, uh, he's kind of an actor too, right? Like he's Mm. got that little panache after matches. And so who knows? I, I I just, I can say this though. I, I was not impressed with their uh oh i don't know I, I don't know uh grit would be maybe the 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 word just it was weird and uh everton it was kind of an even evenly played match but just it felt like everton just wanted it more so there you go
0: yeah mm.
1: So now we go to Bulgaria, I think, this week. That'll, yeah,
0: you get a little treat. Europa League action. Who doesn't love a little trip to Bulgaria oh, midweek?
1: Does it get any better than that? <laughs> That'll help the team. Oh, man. Nice bonding trip to Bulgaria.
0: Sometimes when you go on the road, you know, you can become a little closer as a squad. They got some new guys to bet in. I'm sure Matt they'll they'll, they'll they'll have fun. It'll be a great trip. They'll probably win. To be honest, this is the second place team from the Bulgarian league that you're playing here, so you'll probably get some goals and feel good about yourself going into a weekend game on the south coast against Southampton. But yeah, a one nothing loss that was so blah is a tough way to start the year. But obviously, 37 games left, plenty of time to figure it all out.
1: So the antithesis of blah was Leeds United <laughs> against Liverpool. Yeah. That thing yeah. was that thing was just a, a crazy game right? I mean, right from jump, I didn't. wasn't there a couple of goals like in the first eight or nine minutes?
0: Yeah, Liverpool got a penalty, I think, three minutes in. Uh, so it was one nothing right away. Leeds hit back, yeah, before the 10-minute mark. And it was like that the whole game. Liverpool would score, Leeds would hit back. Liverpool would score, boom. And it was 4-3 in the end, the late penalty that Liverpool won, uh, put them over the top. So, I mean, Leeds is a newly promoted side who won the championship last year. They They have a world-class manager in Marcelo Bielsa, who is kind of a cult hero wherever he goes and he's he's coached at the highest level and sort of everybody was surprised that he went to Leeds because that's a smaller club that used to be great was a power in the Premier League when it first started great tradition you know championship team but had gone been on in hard times they had not been in the top flight for 16 years and he rejuvenated that team and they've got a lot of good young players and they they press and they attack but it's a different style of pressing than Liverpool put out and they're going to cause teams problems this year. They're kind of the new Wolves that promoted side that offers something different that has a quality manager, good players, good financial backing. The 49ers owner is a part owner in Leeds and has pumped some money into that club. So there's a little American connection there. But they're they're the fact that Liverpool won 4-3 and it was so close, that did not surprise me. They are going to be a good team Leeds this year. So this isn't this is less a worry for Liverpool, I think. Although they do have to sort out some defensive problems. It's more of a, hmm, Leeds is actually really good versus, hmm, I wonder about Liverpool. That's my takeaway. Yeah,
1: so Sheffield United kind of popped up last year, I think, and had a pretty good run as well. I think Wolves were another one. It seems like there's a few teams that come up that are really prepared to play at the highest level. And they're really kind of a Premier League team um, in the making, ready, ready for it. And then there's others that seem like they're just (laughs) overmatched.
0: Like Norwich, for example, or, or Fulham this year, who's going to really struggle, I have a feeling. There usually are, yeah, I, typically every year, one of the new promoted sides always goes right back down. Every year, market down. Sometimes it's two, but very seldom is it all three. Usually one sticks, and every once in a while... Like with the teams you mentioned, and like we think with Leeds this year, they can kind of punch above their weight a little bit and actually be a lasting Premier League team side. So we'll see how it all plays out. But it was fun to have those games back this weekend.
1: Refer to the uh, the documentary that that uh, was uh, put in play last year for the Tottenham year. That, so there was nine episodes, um, called all or none on Netflix, but, but Paul Ralston was saying there's something on Leeds uh, as well. And so, uh, so there's a doc, like, I think it's called coming home or something to that effect. So, uh, uh and I, I'm assuming maybe, or going home, something to that, uh, effect. So going home, I think to the premier league, you know, I mean, so, yeah, so he says pretty good. And so I bet so. Yeah. So uh, for those uh, for those soccer fans out there, there's a few good ones out there. And if you've never seen Sunderland till I die, I would highly recommend that too. that. That's chased a a couple uh, of seasons uh, of of fans and inside the inside the curtain, so to speak, on how decisions are made. It's just it's really pretty good.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. A little depressing sometimes because. The poor team. <laughs> the poor Sunderland, who used to be a Premier League fixture, has now gotten kicked down to the championship and then got relegated again to the it's just they just have gone on hard times. And it's been fun that we've had the cameras rolling the entire time. That makes a good documentary. It's not always fun when the team just strolls. That's why Tottenham last year. Kind of a fun documentary. Not a great season. A lot of drama. Managerial changes. Good TV.
1: Yeah, good TV, but I I, I almost think though, um uh, it, Sunderland Till I Die feel like it's less edited th- than Tottenham.
0: I would agree with that. Sunderland Till I Die is like an accurate depiction of what is really happening. And this is a true documentary where you are showing the people exactly what is going on with a few little caveats. I know the one, the one scene at the beginning of Sunderland Till I Die, maybe the second episode where the... The chairman says like, hey, shut the cameras off because we're going to have a tough conversation about what's going on with our transfer policy after a loss and I got to fire somebody. Those things are fine. I would agree that the Tottenham doc is not really a doc. It is essentially (laughs) Daniel Levy, the chairman, has his fingers all over this and they're making sure that they're projecting. in, In their defense, Manchester City did the exact same thing when it was all or nothing Manchester City a couple of years ago. The Amazon folks are very... They're okay that this is more of a commercial for the club than a true documentary. We're not getting all the dirty stuff on Jose. We're not seeing what Jose's doing, what he's really like. We're seeing a dialed down, cleaned up depiction of how this all works. And different, as long as I think, as long as you understand that's what you're watching. Totally fine.
1: Yeah, it still gets you. It's a movie. It's not a doc. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good way of putting it. And in, in the, in the funny part of the first three episodes, and then I listened to uh, a pod that they talked about uh, episodes four through nine. And, and I agree because I, I was interested in listening to his technical side of how he teaches soccer. You get none of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. None of it. None of it. It's just broad swashes of we need to be grittier. We need to if play we, harder.
0: If we win, we get three points.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, things that are like <laughs> I mean, that's just team
0: talk. You know, there's more to it than that. We're just not getting any of that. Nope. Speaking of team talks, thoughts on Harry Kane as a motivational speaker?
1: Um,
0: have you got to that part yet?
1: I well, I, I've heard him speak a couple times in there. Uh, he's right, direct to the point. <laughs> need to win. You know, I, I I'm not sure you're. Running out there, uh, ready to go through that wall. But uh, he, I think he, he leads by example.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. But they, that's the kind of captain but that But they is.
1: seem like a team that doesn't have that sort of gritty guy that's ready to roll. It could be one of the two that they brought in. Um, but you're not going to do it in, in match one.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> This trip to Bulgaria, one of those guys is going to step up. This is the the opportunity for Pierre-Emil Hjorbier to find his voice.
1: I love that trip to Bulgaria. (laughs) I mean, who who can ever – I mean, you can't go wrong with a mid-week trip to Bulgaria to play the second-place team.
0: That's my favorite part. Is that it's not even the best team in Bulgaria.
1: You just there's just a oh, lot of to that. well. Hey, let me close the pod with this. We, I know we have two listeners Please. in Connecticut for sure. One's my dad, who turned 83 last year. Last week, <laughs> well, he turned 82 last year. He turned 83 <laughs> this year. <laughs> well, uh, uh, but he was uh, he was born on nine eleven. So there you go. Mm. So uh, so I know I know they'll make it through the end of the pod. We might only have two listeners that make it to the end, but it'll be my mom and my dad.
0: Oh, that is awesome. Well, happy birthday to Mr. Chaves. Way to get that shout out in. Have a great rest of the week. Let's just, we'll keep our fingers crossed that we get some some good news from the D1 Council coming up on Wednesday and... We'll sort it all out in a pod in the near future. Good to talk to you, Bill.
1: Yeah, good week, Alex.
0: For Bill Chaves, for our producer, Cassie Niles, I'm Alex Seiner. Thanks again for listening. We will talk to you again soon on the next edition of the Bill Chaves Podcast.